0: You're listening to the Gates Church podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org.
1: Okay, so we've got Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 37 through 54. Above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him. One on the right, and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, The one who would demolish the sanctuary and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, "He He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel? Let him... Come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He has put his trust in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am God's son. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him kept taunting him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama That is, my God, my God, why have you, have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked, and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, this man
0: really was God's son. Thank you, thank you, Bryce, for reading our passage this morning. <clears throat> Matthew's account of the crucifixion of Jesus. Each week uh, during this particular season, we've been reading a different account of, of Jesus' death on the cross as we've been uh, examining and coming forward to the cross each week in anticipation of Easter Sunday, of Good Friday and and Easter Sunday. Um, so now what we're going to be doing is I'll, I'll share the message, which is um, hopefully a response to what we've just heard and an invitation uh, to you as well to listen and hear and respond to God's word and the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus. First, I want to tell you about... It's a personal story, a time in my life uh, when everything changed for me. I, I think, generally speaking, as it goes for human beings, we we tend to change more uh, slowly, right? Oftentimes, change for each one of us as individuals takes days, weeks, months, years. Over our lifetime, we grow and we evolve and and, and all these things, and this is good. But on the other hand... There are those times, perhaps even moments, where we change a lot in a very small amount of time. Right? A growth spurt. I'm not talking about physically, although I've seen my fair share of those um, getting to the six foot two that I am now. I'm talking about personally, right? Your character. I'll explain. It was... Five years and seven days ago that uh, Kersalyn, my wife, gave birth to our first child, our daughter, Sayla May. She came into the world screaming at the top of her lungs on March 4th, 2013. Now, before we were parents and when we were expecting, something happened to us a lot. We found that people who had already been parents and had kids they would track us down. Even strangers, like if Chris Lynn was showing that she was expecting. People would just come out of nowhere with a crazed look in their eye and they would get in our face and they'd say, you have no idea what you've gotten yourself into. There's no way that you can be ready for what's about to happen to you. And sometimes they would have like a sinister laugh afterwards and off they would go. And this happened a lot. And, and so I kind of... I didn't get fed up with it but I thought about it and and it's like well of course we don't know what we're getting ourselves into we've never done this before we haven't been parents so like it goes without saying you don't have to keep telling us that here I am I've been a parent for five years and seven days and I find myself tracking down other people who are now expecting their first (laughs) child with a crazed look in my eye and saying, you have no idea what you're, what's about to happen to you. Everything is about to change. Because the fact is, it's true. Having our first kid fundamentally rearranged and redefined everything for me for us. It changed who I am and what I'm doing on this planet. And so, yes, there's no way to prepare for this experience. You can't. You just have to let it happen to you. And five years later, I wake up every morning still unprepared for parenting. But God's grace sustains us. And here we are. Once Thalo was born, everything changed for me. I I had a new reason to get up in the morning. I'm not just talking about on the inside, in my heart, but I, I literally had a new reason to get up in the morning. If I didn't... Someone's life is at risk. I had a new reason to get up in the middle of the night and go back to bed for 32 minutes and then get up again and then go back to bed for 12 minutes and then get up again ad nauseum. I hadn't done this since I myself was an infant. I'd forgotten what it felt like. But suddenly I had a reason again. To do that, I had a reason to address my schedule, my goals, my habits, my dreams, my agendas. The books I read, they were suddenly filled with colorful pictures and not very many words. I saw the world through a different set of lenses. And the point is, every day since that day that fateful day that our first child was born and our second as well every single day since then has been affected for me in numerous ways by the presence of this this gift which God gave us Selah. so I share this as a personal example not for all of us to necessarily relate to but more more of as a story from my life perhaps because it, it was I was trying to think of Of one of those times when everything you know changed for me and this this was by far the most radical change that i've ever experienced and the most um growth and and renovation of of my understanding of the world that has ever happened was in this this moment that we had our first child zooming out a bit and returning to the passage which bryce read from the book of matthew if we consider the event of Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, we can see that moment as the tipping point of history uh, for, for humanity, for mankind. Jesus' death on the cross was the, the moment when everything changed and nothing would be the same again for the world From that point onward, even before there was anticipation, longing, searching, the world was groaning for its Savior, and finally he came, he was born, and he was crucified. And creation responds in verse 50 to 53, when Jesus shouted out again with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He breathed his last, and suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked. The rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. The moment of Jesus' death causes a rift in the natural world. The creator who came to dwell with his creation was murdered by it. Everything changed. The curtain in the temple was, was ripped in half, which Pastor Greg uh, taught about last Sunday, the significance of what that means, the temple curtain being torn in two. Rocks were exploding. There was an earthquake. These are all symbolic of of the significance of what's happening. And then we have the the part that Matthew tells us about the dead being raised to life, which is a little strange. But I want to remind you, when we think of the Easter story, we're, we're right on to the, the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's that's where this is leading. That's what we'll be celebrating on Easter Sunday. So Jesus, Jesus was raised from the dead, but the power of the resurrection was was not just contained to himself. It says that the saints who had fallen asleep were also raised. And this is a, a testimony to the power of what was happening. They went and appeared to people in the city. So naturally speaking, we think, well, death is permanent, isn't it? I thought that's the end of, of things. But no, not in the kingdom of heaven. The, the effects of sin is death, but the dead raising as Jesus was crucified shows us that Jesus' sacrifice conquers those powers, the power of sin in the world, and that the the new kingdom with eternal life is already evident because of what he's done. Paul teaches us about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. There we have it. This is the promise of new life, of the God who literally raised the dead to life. So this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about, is this, the power of what happened at the cross. That's what we've been talking about for this entire series. If you're just jumping in now, I encourage you to listen to the previous sermons on podcasts and certainly stay tuned for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, because this is just a part of the conversation about the importance of the cross, The victory at the cross and what it means for us. So this morning we're going to be talking about that. I'll be talking about this new life, the life that we've been given as as Christians and followers of Jesus and how it is all in fact connected to the cross, how everything we do does revolve around this one event where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Amen. And and further, we'll be talking about the cross, but I'll be raising the questions that it it raises for us. I'll be asking questions about what it means for our lives to be changed by the cross. How is my life changed by the power of the cross? The cross is the power to save. How has it changed me? How has it changed us as followers of Jesus? I'll be bringing that up again and again. That moment that we had our first child was a powerful one, right? It redefined me. It changed everything that I thought I knew, and it continues to do that on the daily. On a much, much larger scale, everything has changed because of the death of Jesus on the cross so many years ago. So as I shared about with, with our kids, I mean, there are things that I can identify and reach out in touch and show you that are evidence of this change that happened in my life. I don't just have to uh, convince you so that you can simply believe that I'm a parent for no real reason. I mean everything changed. There's, the list would be it would go on and on if I started telling you about how kids have, my kids have affected and changed my life. So how how does this apply? How do we we think about this in terms of how the cross has indeed changed our hearts? What are some of the ways that we can actually point to, you know, like, like tangible things or practical things, life things that are different for us in light of the cross? How has Jesus fundamentally changed us, who we are? And we're going to be turning to the Bible to find these answers, because Scripture has actually detailed the the answers to these questions incredibly well. There's, there's, There's so much in there. I've bitten off more than I can chew, absolutely, but I want to get started on it, and I hope that just through a few of the passages which I'll be sharing, that you yourself feel the need to continue this search, the meditation on God's Word, and the conversation about the impact of the cross in your own life, and as we turn to god 's word, I think you'll be surprised I know I am again and again with how specific the biblical authors get about this topic, often in the letters between Christian churches from from Paul and other apostles, they have teaching about the meaning of the cross the they, they explain uh, the relationship of God's people and His covenant and the promise and then Jesus and how it all works together. And, and so this is the theology and explanation of what it means and how it works. But usually, uh, more often than not, at the end of one of these types of statements, Paul or other apostles will follow it up with a very simple, practical, surprisingly tangible um, outcome okay, and i 'll show you what I mean we 'll talk about just a couple of these first john sixteen to nineteen. We can see how the cross is to affect who we are and why we 're here and what we 're doing. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if a person has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. So John offers a remarkably straightforward answer to this question about what it means for the, for the cross to have power in our lives and at work in us. First of all, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross defines love for us as his followers, which is very important, especially, um, you know, for you and I in in today's setting, where we just have this word love, which is a very generic term. Well, well, and everyone, you know, believes in love in some way or another. But what does that mean? I, I really appreciate John's answer. It's not abstract. It's not uh, a thing which we just, oh, love. Like, well, he tells us what it means quite clearly. He cuts to the point. The evidence of the cross in our lives is that we are compelled to love like Jesus by sacrificing for one another. And even that, he could have stopped there and it's like, well, great, okay, well, we'll love sacrificially. That sounds good. But he gets more specific. He puts it on very small terms, actually. He says, do you have material possessions? If so, share them with someone. Share them with someone in need. He says, don't love with empty words, but with the truth of what love means as shown to us at the cross. So you see how we must return to the cross again and again to, to refresh our minds and our spirits, to, to let that define how we how we think of love and, and what we ought to do with it and be compelled by. So the cross defines love for us and, and and we're given a very specific example of what to do with that. What other aspects of Christianity are affected by by what happened at the cross, or what kind of behaviors are we told that we should do as Christians in light of what happened at the cross. I love what Paul teaches in First Thessalonians chapter 5. He tells us, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious and put on the armor of faith and love on our chests, put on the helmet of hope and salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord and Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. There's that resurrection life coming up again. Therefore, Encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So, in the first few verses, there we have that amazing picture of being saved from darkness into light. Paul reminds us of who we are. He says, You are children of light, children of the day. We get to see, what this means for us is we get to see. We get to see things. The lights have been switched on for us, we're not stumbling around in the dark anymore stubbing our toes, wandering dangerously close to who knows what. No, we get to see things in light of Jesus. Thanks be to him. And verses 9 and and, uh, 10, they teach us that this is a result of the cross. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain the salvation through our Lord Jesus, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we'll live together with him. And then jumping ahead to verse 11, he provides us with one of these tangible proofs, which is what we're talking about this morning. We encourage. We build one another up. This is evidence of the cross at work in our lives. What does it look like for me to pattern my behaviors and my choices as a child of day and of the light of God? What would this look like? Well, I build people up. I encourage people. My sinful nature will tempt me to do the opposite, to tear other people down. I'll be tempted by jealousy, by slander, lying, deceit, hate. But the truth is that all of this has been crucified with Jesus on the cross, hasn't it? So as a child of the light, my call of duty is to take up the things that God has handed to me, my salvation, my hope, And by doing that, if I do this, Paul teaches that we will be compelled to build other people up and encourage them. And that by doing this, this we're showing the evidence of the new life at work in and through us for his glory. This is reiterated again in Romans. I'll be reading from chapter 15. Where it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me fell on Jesus. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, and through that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we may have hope. Now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So we can see once again how how the events of the cross is not just an event to talk about, surmise about, and, and, and theorize necessarily. But it's an event which should essentially change the way that we live and work as human beings. It changes the things that we do and why we do things. We aren't to be driven any longer by selfishness. Okay? That's not what Jesus did for us. And that's not what we are to do to anyone else in his kingdom. Instead, we are uh, selfless, we welcome others, and we are united in doing this for God's glory. I want to read from James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow or shadow due to change. I bring this verse up to address the the obvious question, where people will say, "Well, you know, so far what we're talking about is is treating people with love and and good behavior, you know, as a as a human being and righteousness and so on. So can't you just do these things without Jesus? You know, can't we be good people and and kind of leave out the God stuff and the part about the cross and all that? And that's a a logical question to ask and thing to bring up, but to that, what I would say quite simply is that by doing that we're we're, we're leaving out the author of the the statement we're trying to plagiarize the goodness um, without giving credit where credit is due, and that's why I bring up james one seventeen because if if we try to you know do good on our own and and achieve these things and do the things which Jesus has laid out for us but not include him. In this, we're plagiarizing things and we're not actually giving God the glory that he's due. Instead, we we have to realize, the Bible teaches us, that these good things, where do they come from? They come from God, the Father of Lights, who doesn't change. And so the light that is in me, the good that I am able to put on display and shine to anyone else, it's because of what Jesus accomplished for me at the cross, right? A moment ago, I was talking about my fallen nature, my sinful nature. That was darkness, right? That's what Paul said. That was darkness. And I've been saved out of that into light through Jesus. It's not of my own doing. It's because of what he's given me. And it's freed me to do the things that I'm called to do in love. 1 Peter, it says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of time for you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. As I was saying, there should be specific things, and I've, I've shared a couple of them from different letters, where there should be specific things which we can point to and identify in our lives. You know, like this is the way that God has changed me. These are the things which, which I used to be like this, and now I'm like this, and it's because of Jesus, right? And I don't know necessarily what these would be in, in your life, That would be your testimony, right? These are stories that I would love to hear. Speaking of encouraging one another, if you want to encourage me, if you want to encourage the church, share your testimonies with us. Share your testimonies with one another. Make time to do that because they're powerful stories uh, which, which testify to the cross and what it's done for you, what Jesus has done for you there. Furthermore, I don't know how the Holy Spirit might be stirring you in any of these things individually in your heart today. I don't know the specific areas that that God would be um, speaking to you about following him in obedience in this. What I do know is that God is calling us back to the cross, right, as the place to find his grace and continue to be changed into the likeness of his Son for his glory. God is calling us to love in the way that is selfless and which benefits others as we saw Jesus put on display at the cross. God is calling us to build up this community through encouragement as we are encouraged through what Jesus has given us at the cross. And certainly God is calling us to have hope because of the faith we have in God through Jesus, which we read about in First Peter there. So remind us that as we come to the cross, it's not just any old thing that happened in history. What what we're coming to is the exact moment when everything changed for mankind. Everything changed. Nothing has been the same since then. And, And the fact of the matter is, through Jesus, we are benefactors to receive the change of resurrection, which Jesus accomplished. So my questions for us is, how are we walking this out? How are we walking in the light to display the power of Christ through the things that we do? Is our love for one another based on the sacrifice which Jesus made on our behalf? Is that our motivator? Is our attitude towards others, is it encouraging and constructive to, in order to build other people up? Are we living in harmony as Jesus prayed at the end of his life, he prayed to the Father that we would be united. Are we living this? Is God's light shining into the darkness through me, through each one of us, as we carry his name for his glory? So my challenge for you this morning, as, as is uh, each time we come to the cross, my challenge is for you to surrender to God and to find the freedom that he's granted us through the truth of these things. And to seek Him in order to grow in what He's called you in. To move forward in the kingdom as children of light. I'll summarize with a passage from Philippians chapter 2. Where it says, Have, your, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's uh, pray together now. I'll invite the band to come up, and we'll continue with worship. And let's bow our heads. Lord, I, I want to just echo these words to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus and to be a part of that, that picture where every knee would bow and every time we'd confess, Lord, that Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. I'm amazed when I consider the fact that you came, God, to dwell with us as a humble man and even more so that you died in such a humiliating and unimaginable, sacrificial way, God. This is astounding to me. Lord, I thank you. You have saved us from the darkness of sin into a life full of light, of love and purpose in this everlasting kingdom which Jesus has brought to earth. Holy Spirit, would you move in us now and remind us and show us where you are leading us in light of the cross. We glorify the name of Jesus. We pray these things in His holy name. Amen.